Welcome to more details, please, with your hosts, Emmanuel and Angela Williams, where we dive deeper into conversations with visionary entrepreneurs to discover what it takes to turn passion into purpose. Listen to real-world stories from self-starters and trailblazers and discover strategies and innovations shaping a greener future. Whether you are a seasoned business person or just starting out, let this be your go-to resource for inspiration and actionable tips for success. Join us now as we create a brighter, greener future together. Welcome to More Details, Please, broadcasting live in the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona, where we help entrepreneurs turn their passion into purpose. We're your hosts, Angela. And Emmanuel Williams. And today we have with us, and I'm so excited, Joe Gonzalez and Stephanie Gonzalez. But let me just tell you a little bit about them after Emmanuel says a word or two. Well, I, I, no, I would just say I'm, I'm really excited. You know, this is a conversation. We normally have really in-depth conversations that we have an opportunity today to share some of our nuggets of wisdom so that our listeners can learn from some of the wisdom and the knowledge that we bring to this conversation. You know, the, the theme of this podcast is connecting with entrepreneurs to, to turn their passion into purpose. It's the things that we love and enjoy doing and being able to bring it into manifestation to allow other people to be a part of it and to share our talents and gifts with people. So I'm really, really excited to have my one of my favorite couples that we sit down and talk and have in-depth conversations here today. So thank you guys for being here. Our pleasure. Thank you. All right. So you have local entrepreneurs with 30 years of experience in driving sales and profits. Joe, Mate Unit Retail Executive with over, and Stephanie with more than 16 years. She's probably going to 20 years of experience in licensing, building brands, and marketing. Um, these entrepreneurs, which we have known for over seven years, were so excited. This conversation that we're going to let our listeners um, listen in on is a part two. Uh, about a month ago, we spent some time having breakfast at the original, right, Joe? Original Sunrise Cafe in Las Vegas. And now we get the opportunity to continue that conversation. So today, we're going to talk about how Stephanie is a certified dog trainer. I thought I'd mention that. We're going to talk about how dog training relates to entrepreneurship and business ownership. So we're really going to get into it, but we'll start off with the basics so our listeners can know who they're talking to. Stephanie, first, tell us about yourself, specifically your career path, and how did you get to where you are today? So my, uh, I actually went to college for... Um, uh, the entertainment business and uh, business marketing uh, for sales. Uh, ended up in Los Angeles doing consumer products for the entertainment business. Did that for 25 years. And the last company I worked with, they were bought by a larger company. And that was the writing on the wall. I decided I wanted to do something different. Um, I looked at a lot of alternatives within my community. I decided I wanted to be of service. That, that was my next step in life was to be of real service to start my legacy of what my imprint was going to be uh, after I left. 
And I looked at autism with kids, working with them, the elderly. And I decided that dogs really need to be advocated for and a lot more service to animals, uh, especially our home canine pets. Um, we do spend more money on our, cat, our, our pets than we do our own kids, um, but yet we don't treat our pets in some instances as well as we treat our kids. So I decided to build my life at this point, educating people how dogs are so similar to people in our emotional capacity of dealing with what I call Manhattan, which is the real world. So I've dedicated the last seven years of my life educating dog enthusiasts who can accidentally hurt our pups to dog educated, which means they are saving our pups. That is my primary goal. Awesome. Thank you, Stephanie. Roof, roof. Joe. <laughs> Out of high school, I was a musician for a couple of years, and then I, I landed in, in retail. Uh, my first retail job was warehouse music and video stores, and I spent 17 years with them, worked my way up into uh, multi-level management positions and then um, spent a good 30 years working for different retailers, executive level leadership. I've had as many as five, 600 employees reporting to me, hundreds of millions in sales for companies like Circuit City, uh, Office Depot, and, and others. And uh, around 2014, 2015, I, I too started thinking about my future and is this what I really want to be doing for the next 20, 30, however many years I decide to work. And uh, I just didn't have the passion for it anymore. I didn't have the the drive. You know, the hours were brutal, 60, 70 hour weeks, travel. And I really started thinking about, you know, having a business of my own and, and branching out and just try, trying something different. I have a creative spirit from my musical side. I like to, I like to invent things, try things, uh, um, uh, provide solutions. You know, I came across the Angela and Emmanuel as I was looking at different uh, opportunities in the franchise world and decided that Detail Experts was, was really a good fit for me. Being a car enthusiast, being um, a technology enthusiast, really connecting with the USP around steam cleaning and environmentally friendly, it checked all the boxes for me. It just felt like the right fit. Here I am seven years later, kind of uh, gradually worked my way into VP of operations position and really help Angela and Emmanuel, you know, run the company and grow the company. So I enjoy what I do. And we are so excited to have both Joe and Stephanie as a part of the future leadership of the company. So I, I know Emmanuel is going to jump in, but I have to ask this question. So Stephanie, as a dog trainer, what are some of the things that you've learned about yourself? And what are some of the things that you've learned about how you relate to others? That is an excellent question. First of all, when I decided uh, to become a dog trainer, Joe flatly told me that I was not going to be able to do it because of my prior career, uh, an A personality, no patience, very direct, urgency in everything. And my biggest hurdle was patience. And I took that very seriously because I realized after some deep searching, I did not have patience. And I did not know what I was going to do, but I decided that was going to be my next challenge. My next growth was to be able to become patient as I grew older instead of being so high strung. <laughs> so I convinced him that, yes, I was going to do it and I was going to do everything I could. I went to school, got through my mentorship, 
I was training my mentorship dog, um, living in LA. Uh, it was a commute to get to him. I had to work with him for six months every day from nine to 10. I would get there and I, I knew all my stuff. I was in school. Everything was great. I knew how to train a dog. I have a natural ability to really connect with dogs very quick. I would get there. He was training great. I had my cheese, had my chicken. Everything was going great. And all of a sudden I walked in and he flat out ignored me. Would not even paying attention to me. And I got so frustrated. I could feel my blood fuming and I stomped out of there and I got in my car and I was about ready to drive. And I all of a sudden literally felt a slap in the face from Joe. And I went patience. And from that day forward, I had to learn to just let it go. I'm either going to get the ability for my pup at that moment to be able to work with me and communicate with me on their terms, or I'm not. I can't negotiate with a dog. I will always lose. So you have to figure out negotiation skills beyond what we understand as human beings. And that is a big part of what I've learned because I've been able to take that into my personal life, evaluating behaviors. I can assign dog breeds to people because of how they react, how they handle things, how they react to things, how they are proactive. Dogs are not proactive. They're reactive. And most people are reactive. So it has changed my entire view about people, how they respond to things, how I can positively reinforce them to understand their own strengths, to understand where they're able to go with their own self-conditioning. We train ourselves every day through natural conditioning. So I now carry that within my daily life. Well, Stephanie, what I love about what you just said is an evolution. And it was an evolution of you as an individual. Absolutely. Life gives us the lessons that we need. Maybe we don't realize it during that time. But for you to have been able to step outside of yourself, because Joe was like, you know, you had something to prove that created the space of choice. Correct. In that moment, you realized that you have a choice and you chose to act in a way where you went to the next level in your awareness. Right. You know, you re- it's sort of like you reincarnated yourself. You reinvented yourself where you moved to another level of awareness. And in that space, now you are much great of a servant because I know the dogs love you. I love you. Mm-hmm. And you can share that talent and that gift to the world. And that's really what turning your passion into purpose is really all about. It's absolutely. My purpose is it's not dogs. It's all also people letting them know that there's not enough love in this world. And part of being a dog trainer is trying to reach people through their mutual respect and love of canines. And if I can try to get them to love even more through their canines, I know that that will pass forward into their daily lives. It's a transmission of love through another vessel. I just had to figure out what that vessel was. What the beautiful part about it is that your husband is an entrepreneur. He has so many different talents. You've evolved to another level of, I would say, of of awakening in terms of your ability to connect in another world where you can serve. And as an entrepreneur, your husband as an entrepreneur and you as a professional dog trainer, how has you been able to see certain things that Joe may go through 
to be of assistance in helping him based on maybe how you train dogs. Or... Wait, h- hold on. I-, I think we should let Joe answer that, and then Stephanie can have her perspective. Okay, go, go ahead, Joe. <laughs> so, so repeat that question again. How has she helped me? Uh, yes, with... I, yes, in her evolution as a dog trainer and, and then realizing her purpose and you guys being a wonder, the wonderful couple that you are, you've been together for a long time and you guys know each other. How has her evolution of dealing with dogs helped you as a business owner? Yeah, well, I think it, it again comes back to patience and being being aware of your surroundings and being being aware of what you can and, and can't control. And that that to me has been sort of a lifelong journey. I'm still learning, you know, what what I can and can't control. I I often say there's and I read this in a book somewhere, so I'm plagiarizing, but um, I often tell people that there's really only three things you can control, and, and that is your thoughts, what you what you think, what you say, and what you do. Anything outside of that is beyond your control. I can't control your thoughts. I can't control what you think. I can't make you do something. I can't make you feel a certain way. So, you know, with animals, it's really all about that. It's being aware of their temperament, being aware of the mood they're in. Right now, our dog is in the mood to play. (laughs) I hear him over there whining a little bit because he wants a toy, right? And so it's, it's listening, it's being aware. It's, and then, and then it's, you talk about this a lot, Emmanuel, it's being aware of yourself and how you react to that. So, um, you know, I could yell at him right now to stop. That's not going to (laughs) work. You know, I could go get him a toy. That'll probably keep him quiet for a little while. I can ignore him to try to teach him that that behavior is not working for me, right? There's, there are options for everything we react to. And so in watching Stephanie and how, how she deals with animals, I, I've, I've learned that that's a, a never-ending process with people, with animals. I've made mistakes. I've been bitten by this dog that we rescued uh, within the last year because I didn't understand his temperament and his moods and what was threatening to him. So it's it's not just what I've learned; it's what I'm continuing to learn, and it, it is. It's a it's a journey. It's just continuing to to be aware of what's going on around you and understanding that you can't force things to happen. Sometimes you have to let them happen. You can encourage and you can be open, but you have to sort of let things happen as they're supposed to. And it's not not about forcing things to happen. All right, this is not gonna wait. Wait, this is not gonna come out right, but I'm just gonna say it anyway. Stephanie, how has your dog training helped you train Joe? <laughs> so, no, so that is a really great question. But what I do want to um, interject for just one moment in terms of Joe's analysis, which is absolutely fantastic. I think one thing, though, that beyond that, one of the things that I teach dogs is focus. And with us as human beings, to me, focus means observation. And we don't observe enough before we make opinions, before we make judgments, before we ask questions. We don't observe the person we're looking at, their body language. When Joe is talking about how to look at an individual, you need to look at their actual body language. When I'm working with a dog, dogs are pure emotion, pure emotion. They will never be proactive. They will always be reactive. They don't have a way to put their emotions in a box and dissect them. Everything that they do, every body language, 
every sniff, every ear twitch, every tail is a conversation that they're trying to have with us. If we're not paying attention, are not observant of that language, we're not listening. We have to be able to listen to the silent language that comes out from people. People have a silent language and we do not observe it. And that's where we run into issues of disrespect, of not understanding tone, of not being able to relate on certain levels. But all of that comes out of our own temperaments, our own conditioning, everything that we have preconceived. A dog has nothing preconceived. To them, everything is on the moment. And we have to observe that. And I don't think we do enough observation of people. If we did, if we understood their body language a lot more, we'd have much more productive conversations. There would be much less disagreements. Debates would be much more pro-productive in terms of where we're trying to reach in terms of our common goals. We're reading each other. We're not looking at each other and not understanding. What, what I tell Joe is a lot of times you're hearing me, but are you listening to the words that I'm saying? So you're standing in front of me having a conversation. Am I listening to your body language? Am I looking at who I'm talking to and actually seeing the entire sentence, the entire paragraph of a human? Well, you know, the lesson that I get out of that, Stephanie, is that, and I think that's one of the reasons why we love our dogs, because our dogs don't judge us, yeah. right? We're not under the pressure of, if I do this, then he's going to react in a particular way. And in that, it brings us more presence. It brings yes. us more to a place where the thoughts and emotions that is bombarding us in our minds based on what the dog might think or what the dog might do, those thoughts and emotions are silenced because we're connecting on a deeper level with our dogs. Correct. 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 They are 100%. Again, they're 100% emotion. So if we connect with them as from an emotional level, you have a bond that will never be broken. And if you look at a dog through their day, their facial will give you very similar to human beings. If they're upset, they will furrow their brow. They have very much an emotional outlet as we do visually. Again, we just don't pay attention to the signals that they're giving us. And to your point, dogs have to be present in the moment, have to be. They don't, they don't understand the past, unless it's trauma, and they don't have even a three-second forethought of the future unless it's a toy. So if we're not present with them, we're not present in life. Whenever I work with a dog, if I'm not present, they're not going to learn. Stephanie, it is so funny. You said you got to read um, body language. I'm looking at Joe's face as the dog <laughs> barks. And um, I don't know if he wants to jump through the camera or jump toward the dog, but nonetheless, he is feeling some kind of emotion. So, Joe. Body language. It's body language and emotion all the time, all the time. So how have you adapted your leadership style, understanding all of what Stephanie has shared with you about her certification to becoming a dog trainer, Joe? And again, this is a lifelong journey. I was in leadership positions from a young age. I was managing a retail store at 20 years old where I had, you know, 15 employees and I didn't know what I didn't know back then. Right. <laughs> and I, I made a lot of mistakes. I just remember that 
I was the boss. I was the boss. And if people didn't listen to me, I was going to fire them or I was going to write them up or they were going to be out of there. Right. The whole the old, the old school management of the carrot and the stick. You know, if you, if you do what I say, you'll get a raise. And if you don't, you won't be working here long. And 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 I remember having very high turnover. I remember one of my assistant managers pulled me aside one day and she literally said to me, do you, do you know that when you walk behind people, the back, the hair on the back of their neck literally stands up on edge. And I'm like, really? And I'm 20 years old. Most of these people are older than me. Right. <laughs> Some are the same age. I'm like, seriously. I, I'm like, no, I, I don't understand. I don't understand, but I'll, you know, I'll try to lighten up a little bit. So that was me in my twenties, high turnover, you know, people calling corporate because they didn't like the way I was handling certain things, people going around me. Uh, I had, I had some really good results, but it was all through what I was talking about earlier, kind of forcing my hand, right? Uh, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. And I, I became known as kind of a turnaround specialist. I went in and managed turnaround several stores and worked my way up to district manager. Uh, but some of those problems still followed me in terms of turnover I didn't really have the commitment level, uh, the buy-in from a lot of my employees. And gradually, you know, I've read a lot of books and, and uh, leadership seminars. And, and gradually over time, I really started to understand that it is about connection. It is about support. It's about inspiring and getting people to self-discover, right? Self-discover and find that intrinsic motivation, find, find what it is that makes people want, want to be excited about work and want to do a good job and, and really taking a step back and, and getting people to think on their own, find solutions on their own and become leaders of themselves and, and becoming more of a servant leader, really, you know, taking a step back instead of being a dictator, being, being more of a, a supportive servant leader. And then from there, obviously, with Stephanie and the dog training, it's just enhanced that even more in that, you know, now, now it's being more aware of the nonverbal cues, the, the tone, the things that people don't say are sometimes just as important as the things they do say. Being able to read situations, there is a skill to that. You know, I think, uh, and it's one that's probably not widely taught. I mean, you can read books on neurolinguistics and body language and all these types of things and get, get a sense for it. But it's, it's really a practiced skill and again, a lifelong journey. But for me, um, you know, I, I am proud to say I've, I've changed <laughs> and I've improved as a leader. And I think really over the last 10, 15 years, uh, it, I've developed to a point where most, not all, but most, most people who've worked for me would say that they really enjoyed working for me that they felt I was a very strong leader, that they learned a lot, they developed a lot. And I've, I've used people as references who worked for me. And, and I still keep in touch with a lot of them because, because I have that connection now. And, and it is about serving that greater purpose of helping people grow beyond what they think they're capable of. And so, so for me, that's kind, of, that's kind of how it's all come together is just taking that step back, being aware and being more of service and more supportive and helping people self-discover through questions. I ask a lot of questions when I'm talking to people. <laughs> yeah. Was there a particular time moment that you can remember when you had that aha moment? When it, it was it something happened that you were able to make that shift when the thought of choice came into existence, when that light came on to say, wait a minute, 
the things that I was doing before is not working as well for me. <laughs> and where was that? What was that turning point? Or can you remember? Yeah, there's probably a series of events. You know, there, there were those slap in the face moments where where somebody who you thought was a really good employee quit. And, and then you ask them why they quit. And they just said, I can't I can't handle working for you. <laughs> right. I don't I don't like working for you. So there were some of those situations. Um, there were situations with dogs like this dog that I was telling you we, we rescued uh, last year. He was an abused dog. I thought I could uh, be a little more um, dominant with him than I should have been. And he let me know that wasn't okay. He, he, he bit my hand up in several places. And, and that was within the first few weeks of us, you know, bringing him into our home. But we realized, you know, he's got, he's got his own thing going on. He's afraid. He's been abused. And you have to be aware of that. You have to adapt your style. So from a leadership standpoint, yeah, it was a combination of some aha moments, some slaps in the face, 360, you know, surveys and those types of things, high turnover. And then it was also some books, you know, some workshops, Ken Blanchard situational leadership. I remember going through a, a, a week or two week long workshop about adapting your style. Uh, uh, I remember going through some coaching leadership training with Circuit City, where we did a lot of role play and literally practiced how to how to coach individuals and coach situations in a way that that again facilitates self discovery through asking questions and getting people to understand what the opportunity is and come up with solutions on their own instead of telling people what the solution is. So it's a lot of a lot of the same thing with dogs. It's not about telling them what to, to do. It's rewarding them when they do the right thing, that those positive reinforcements. I trained him really well. <laughs> That's what yes. I'm saying. He's doing my speak when, for me right now. When they, when they start to do the right thing and they get a reward for it, guess what happens? They start doing the right thing more often. I taught our, our dog, uh, Toby, a command called place. So there's, there's a laundry room that I want him to go to sometimes because he gets reactive at the front door when people knock, right? So I taught him how to go to his place. Uh, so I can say place and he'll run in his place. He knows his place. And it started with just the smallest little reward, right? I, he, I just started with some treats in my hand and when and he would step foot in there and I'd throw a treat on the floor. And then he'd go back in there again, I'd throw a treat on the floor. And before you know it, now he's standing and they're waiting for more treats, right? Then I back up and, and gradually introduce the word and say place as I'm throwing treats in there. And it's a very slow, patient, gradual process. But, but when you do it right, it becomes uh, automatic. And it's not done through fear. It's not done through intimidation. It's all done through positive reinforcement. So that's the dog aspect of it. And, and, and people are the same way. P yeah, people will respond in a leadership situation to fear or to threats or to intimidation. And they may do what you want them to do when you're looking. <laughs> but how do you get them to do what, what you want them to do when you're not looking? And, and how do you get them to do it from a place of love and a place of commitment and a place of purpose? That, that is something that takes, it takes longer. And you have to be patient. And, and there's an approach to that that's much different than accountability. Accountability is always, that word is thrown around as consequences, right? It's punishment if you do bad or positive accountability, you get a promotion if you do good. What about self-accountability, right? And how do you create self-accountability? It's, it's through a lot of the things that we're talking about in terms of behaviors, and it has to come from a positive place. 
So Angela, I know you asked me and then you, you paused. What have I done to positively reinforce Joe's training? Okay. <laughs> she thinks I'm a dog sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think everybody is a dog and I think everybody can be trained. How can people be trained through love? And I, how I adapted that with Joe was if I, in positive reinforcement training, there's two concepts. One is a dog will never know the difference between right and wrong. People do. So you have to figure out how to get them to understand right and wrong where they can understand it, okay? Because dogs will never. Dogs only think in terms of safety and danger. People can go ahead and analyze that, and that's fine. So when you want someone to start to capture, which is what Joe's talking about, Toby captured, started to understand what he wanted after repetition. He captured that behavior. So with Joe, if instead of focusing on, and this is positive reinforcement, instead of always focusing on the issue that you want to stop, you want to start to get somebody else to do something else instead something more positive. Instead of focusing on, I don't like that their their attitude at work or they come in late or whatever that problem behavior is in your mind, instead of focusing so much on that, let's start focusing on something else different that we do want. So for instance, if I wanted him to alter um, maybe a tone of voice that I didn't appreciate, I would then let him know through love, can we go ahead and practice not doing that? And as we practice and practice, next thing we know, he's not doing it anymore. But I don't have to tell him to stop doing it. Every time he doesn't do it, I say, I love you so much. Thank you for taking care of me. And the more I tell him, I love you so much. Thank you for taking care of me on these little things that he is doing. Now it's just naturally coming. And I don't have to ask questions and I don't have to beg and I don't have to because I've gotten rid of all that narrative in his brain of I have to instead of it's like now I want to because I feel loved she loves me so that's part of positive reinforcement also with dogs is affection and so do people what what you know Stephanie I I, I love that scenario the dog bark right on cue I just want to note that (laughs) you know I, I love that scenario because I want our listening audience to understand the conversation that we're having can go to different depths of a level of awareness. And when you talk about love, you know, everybody perceives love in a particular way, whatever their perception of love is. But what I get from you is having the ability to be able to watch what you feel and be able to be aware enough to be able to understand what your partner is going through and have the temperament and the patience to respond, not react, in a way that is constructive, continuous behavior, questioning, and talking communication. Called behavior is, modification. Is, is that, what, is that what it is? Okay. That's the actual term, behavior modification. And, and that's what, you know, when you say love, because I know you have love for Joe, but I want our listening audience to understand that love is an action. And a lot of times, love is being able to understand people, be able to see people's faults and see their needs. 
Correct. To be able to see through their ego in a way where it creates space so that you can bring a positive reinforcement in and however it unfolds. Correct. So that is a beautiful aspect of that. And when you take that type of initiative into a workplace where you have employees and you see certain employees got good attributes, some employees got negative attributes, but you're able to be love them enough to not judge them but to be able to see their strong points and help them become stronger in those areas and be able to help them with their weaker areas as well. That creates an environment of love. Absolutely. But we also have to remember, love is also a choice. Love isn't mandatory. It's a choice. And unfortunately, a lot of people make the wrong choices. And we know that. And we won't let Emmanuel go down that choice discussion because he has a lot to say about that. So our final final question is this. We know all about working as a husband and wife team. We we know about that. So are there the same or different sides of your entrepreneurial, so let's call that your professional life, and your personal life? So when you think about those personalities, are there differences? So for example... Um, with Emmanuel and I, we work together. We we are different, but on the same note, we are a team. I'm the bean counter in the group, so I want specifics. Has to be to the penny. He is an innovator, so he's creative and always has a whole lot of ideas. How do you guys take that situation? I'm I'm working in a business aspect. I have a certain personality, and I'm working personally. Tell us about you. That that's our final question for today. Okay, Angela. Simple. Joe is your mirror. Yes. And Emmanuel is mine. (laughs) It's very, no, it is, it it is, it is very much that. We we make an excellent team because Joe is very uh, balanced. He's also very rational. He's very analytical. So he thinks through everything. I am very much of coming from marketing. I'm very much of a pasta on the wall type of girl. Let's see how much we can throw up on the wall because something is always going to stick. And that's why we work so well together. When, when I throw enough on the wall that he finally, we're in, we're in a groove, he takes one side, which is very easy because uh, I'd like to wrap it up on one part in terms of how dogs work. Dogs aren't necessarily a pack. They work as a team. And what the goal is in regards to the pack, whether it's, it is, the mom wanting to find space to have her litter of puppies, or if it's the male that needs to go hunting, they take turns because of what's most important at that particular time. Joe and I take turns as to what is the most important at that particular time of who's in the lead. If I'm on that creative side, he gives me that exploratory um, ability on the analytical side. I trust him so much that together we create a yin yang, we create a whole. Yeah, my my response to that would be, um, and I, I interpret it slightly differently, but I I have do have my work persona and I have my home persona. I would say I'm probably much more patient at work than I am at home. That's true. <laughs> uh, so yes. so, and I don't know if that's a control thing. You know, I I like control of my <laughs> my space and my time and my energy and in work work environment. I don't want to say I'm go with the flow, but I'm, I'm 
much more patient. I'm much more accepting of how things are and where and where they need to go and how we're going to get there. Um, at at home, if uh, if something's not right, I have a shorter fuse, put it that way, <laughs> you know. And so so it's something I'm working on. You know, it's uh it's one of those balanced things. Again, uh, we probably should be the same at home as we are in work, but you know, you probably get. As you get closer within my circle, you see you see more of those flaws, you know, and you see see more of those those things. And I'm and I'm just not as I'm just not as patient. I just admit it. I'm just not as patient. My personal space. Somebody invades my personal space, or things aren't going quite right. I'm very aggressive about it. Uh, and so yes, he is. Um, he becomes a pit bull. Yeah, she calls me a Rottweiler. That's my that's my breed. That <laughs> I you know. So I'm very loyal. I'm very loving. Very protective. But he will um, attack. And I, when he attacks, it's. It's bad. I, I can also be fierce. If if my my family's threatened or my situation's threatened, I can be. I don't know if ruthless is too strong a word. No, you can be ruthless. I can, I can be. I can be. Uh, can be I can be aggressive. Yeah, but to Manuel's point, it's being aware of it, right? And and understanding that it is a choice, whether it's home or work. We have to recognize that that you need to take that space and be aware. And understand that we have a choice. We have a choice to respond rather than react. And so, uh, again, it's a lifelong journey. It's applying everything we've talked about here today, you know, at every level. Well, well, I'm really appreciative that you guys were able to spend some time with us because, you know, one of the things that we really want our listeners to do is to be able to pick up some of these nuggets of wisdom. You know, a lot of times people are in situations or circumstances where they don't feel like they have a choice. And they don't feel like they have a choice is because they don't have enough light to be able to see that they do have a choice. They don't, they're not in an in, in acceptance mode. And so your journey and our journey is a light that people can hear and get information and get wisdom so that they can make their life better. So we want to thank you guys for your journey. And we want to thank you guys for sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge and experience with us today so that you know, turning your passion into purpose is really being a light to the world and making the world a better place. So we thank you guys for that. Thank you so much. I am actually humbled and honored. Thank you. I don't get a lot of time to uh, express passion about dogs. I hope that your listeners through their love of canines can take something away from this and try to apply that love and positive reinforcement to their families, their friends, and strangers. Strangers, if a little bit of love and kindness, it does go. Even if it's one person, that's one person. Awesome. You've been listening to the Phoenix Business Radio. This podcast is brought to you by Detail Experts, the mobile steam cleaning company that saves the planet one franchise at a time. Until next time, we're Angela and Emmanuel Williams. Thank you for listening to More Details, Please. Presented by Emmanuel and Angela Williams from Detail Experts, the mobile steam cleaning company dedicated to protecting the planet. Be sure to subscribe to more details, please, on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Facebook at Detail Experts and visit DetailExperts.net. That's D-E-T-A-I-L-X-P-E-R-T-S. We hope you've gained some valuable insights from our conversations today. Stay driven by curiosity, and we'll bring you more details next time.